Blog Talk Radio. Animal people, and welcome to the Pet Place Radio Show. I'm Marie Hewitt, and this morning, animal activist Judy Mancuso has some animal-related legislative updates to share, along with the latest news about the pet lover's license plate. We'll also be chatting with author Wendy Warren, who just finished a remarkable book called Angel with a Tail. Great conversations are just on the other side of the break, so keep your radio tuned to AM 1260 for a brand new episode of the Pet Place Radio Show. Welcome back. You're listening to the Pet Place Radio Show on AM 1260. I'm Marie Hewlett, and I am very pleased to welcome back to the Pet Place Ms. Judy Mancuso. Hi, Judy. How are you this morning? Great. Hi, Marie. Thank you for having me on. Well, I really wanted to talk to you because you, you sent out an email a few weeks back about SB 702, which had a very unfortunate end. And Well, first, tell me what was SB 702. Uh, SB 702 would have required that um, all the animals leaving a shelter, whether they were adopted or redeemed by their owners, would leave with a microchip. Mm -hmm. And the cost would be uh, in the adoption fee or in the redemption fee. And, you know, it's maybe $15, $25 when you get the microchip at the shelter. So it's a negligible cost for the gain that we could get in getting these animals back home. They found their way into the shelter one time, so hopefully we could uh, get them back home much easier the second time if it came up. Well, it sounds very reasonable, and I understand it had bipartisan uh, support. It did. It, It got a lot of votes. We really did not have any opposition. I think out of all the letters that came in, I think they got two in the author's office, Senator Ted Lieu, that were in opposition. And, um, you know, it was mostly people who just don't want any identification or laws, leash laws, this, that, or the other. So really there was just two opposition letters. Everybody else was in support. And uh, we've we got bipartisan support in every committee and on the assembly floor and the Senate. So it was uh, you know pretty shocking that the the governor didn't just go ahead and sign it. He actually vetoed it. He vetoed it. And and what were his reasons? Okay, well this is a little bit complicated, but I'm going to try to make it as brief and easy as possible. There, back in 1998, there was such a thing that was called the animal adoption mandate that came out of the Hayden Law. And the Hayden Law said that an animal should be kept in the shelter four to six days so that the uh, family would have time to find it. Mm -hmm. So uh, that passed, but it created a state mandate. This state mandate was costing uh, the state $30 million a year uh, to the locals, given back to the locals for keeping these animals longer. Mm-hmm. So back in 2007, I believe, no, 2008, Schwarzenegger, um, with the bad budget, the budget crisis and whatnot, 
suspended a lot of these mandates, and the animal adoption mandate was one of them. So what that means is that uh, shelters can euthanize in 72 hours. It reverts back to what the law was previous to the Hayden Law yeah. in 98. Mm -hmm. So they can now uh, euthanize in 72 hours. Well, this, this uh, animal adoption mandate has been suspended now for going on. This is the third year. And so the Department of Finance, when they did the analysis of our bill, said if the animal adoption mandate is ever unsuspended, mm -hmm. our bill could possibly cost the state money because the shelters could look at the state and say, hey, you're requiring us to tell people about microchipping and microchipping these pets and taking our time to do all this you need to give us money to absorb this extra cost our staff has to do. Seriously. <laughs> That's why it got vetoed. Hmm. So I, I guess what, uh, what we should all expect when we go into public uh, shelters is no communication whatsoever because that costs money. Correct, yeah. So if anything would incur costs that, you know, they need to speak to you about anything additional or hand you a piece of paper, oh, anything like that, that the locals could try to get reimbursed from the state, then that would be a veto. So, you know, we met with the Department of Finance. We met with the staff uh, of the governor's staff, the right ones that were handling all these animal bills. Mm -hmm. and, we, and we brought in uh, Dr. Drusis from uh, Riverside County, who has had a microchip law in place. And um, all the benefits and how this, you know, helps in the long run with saving money and that they already have to talk to people that come into sure. the shelter about a lot of different things mm -hmm. and that this would be easily absorbed, you know. And, uh, and it sounds also like a way of increasing revenue because if you know who the animals are and who they belong to, then they go back home and you generate your impound fees. Well, you know, here here's an example from Dr. Drusi's is in Riverside. They can scan out in the field. Mm -hmm. So if they see a dog running, has no collar, and they pull over, they have the dog and they scan it, and they know that it lives, you know, five streets over, they will make every attempt to get that animal home before it ever even gets impounded. That's wonderful. So, so, and that, I'm sure they charge a fee too. But I'd gladly pay if my little dog got loose and and I didn't know it, and an animal control officer picked it up and and brought it back, and and I had to pay a fee for that. I'd be happy. Yeah, I to mean, do what, that. yeah, it didn't get hit by a car. Mm -hmm. It didn't get lost for good. It didn't, you know, get into a fight. Absolutely, that would be a good public service. So, that's. That's where we're at, and it's it's real frustrating that we can't get ahead on this overpopulation problem. Oh, I I I was so disappointed when I read the announcement that Governor Brown had vetoed this bill because it just seemed so common sense and so reasonable, and everybody supported it, whether they were Republican or Democrat or whatever else. It was just that common sense, and right. I, I'm just very, very frustrated. Yeah, right I am too. I am too. I mean, it's, yeah, this has really, you know, set us back because this looked like it would be 
an easy bill compared to, you know, the other bills we've introduced in the past that did have opposition. You know, this one was just so easy breezy with mm-hmm. everybody just loving it that, uh, you know, it really took us off guard. And when we saw the analysis came out and and had this that it could incur cost, I mean, we addressed it with everyone we needed to address it with, and we thought that it was a done deal that they understood. And then when it came time that he's sitting there in the garden, you know, signing and vetoing bills, it's like was no one there to tell him, no, don't, this Department of Finance thing is off, or pick up the phone and call the right person. And, you know, it's like, you know, ay, ay, ay. <laughs> so that's where we're at. And what about the fact that there will be more costs with animals that have to be euthanized? I mean, I think that probably costs more money than telling somebody about a microchip. Absolutely. I mean, animals getting euthanized, I've talked to shelters all across the state and to house and euthanize them cost anywhere. The lowest one I I heard was like $180 to up to $440 for their stay, housing, and then euthanizing them, the, the disposing of the bodies. I mean, some people think that uh, the shelters get paid, you know, to pick up the animals for these uh, rendering plants, but that's not true. They pay a fee uh, it's like a waste management fee, so to speak, you know, mm-hmm. to pick up all these uh, animals and dispose of them that go to landfill and rendering. So, yeah, it's just a sad state of the affairs, and, and the animals are always last on the list with all the crisis for humans and schools and mm-hmm. this and that and all the top issues that, you know, they're they're a low priority, and even though they – you know, it's inhumane and unethical and cost a lot of money. You know, we've gotten some attention with the issue, obviously. You know, it passed both houses, and everybody thought it was a good bill, but um, not enough from the uh, very top, unfortunately. Well, that's very, very sad. Well, let me uh, switch gears here, Judy, and, and try and bring our conversation up to a happy place. Yes. We talked a while back about the pet lover's license plate here in California. I'm wondering, how's the progress going with that? It's it's going good. Uh, this is a bright spot because we have an opportunity with this plate to make millions of dollars a year for spay and neuter. As an example, the kid's plate in 2010 brought in uh, over $4 million. Wow. So, and and I believe, I've heard a couple different figures, but the uh, the um, whale tail has brought in something like $60 million since its inception. Wow. So, you know, there's potential to make a lot, a lot of money that, you know, the government will never have to come up with. This is all from people buying these plates that we can put on spay and neuter surgeries all over the state and, and really start to make a dent uh, in this issue. So the law changed back in 2004. Um, it's a, in, written in vehicle code that in order to have a specialty license plate on the road, a nonprofit group has to have a sponsoring agency, a sponsoring government agency, mm-hmm. and pre-sell 7,500 plates. That's okay. the requirement. Mm-hmm. So our sponsoring agency is the California Veterinary Medical Board, and to date, 
we've sold about 3,300, a little over 3,300 plates. Okay, so you're getting there. But we're, we're, it's slow and steady, but we need for it to pick up and be done with, in my opinion. So we have till June 2012 to reach the 7,500 goal. And, yes, maybe we could get an extension, but we don't even want to go there. We just want to have our yeah. 7,500 plates by June 2012 or sooner. And, uh, then and you can personalize these license plates also, right? Yes. You can get a sequential, which is $50, and then that means the DMV just assigned you a number, and uh, the renewal is $40, and all of the $40 will go to spay and neuter, and you can write it off because it goes to a 501c3, a nonprofit, and then the personalized is 98 uh, for the first year and then 78 thereafter. And, again, about $40 of that goes to spay and neuter surgeries. Wow, that's wonderful. And how can somebody order a license plate? And and these are very gorgeous, gorgeous license plates. I don't know if, if the listeners have seen them, but I'm sure you have a photo on the website. Yes, you can go to um, caspayplate.com, petloversplate.com, and uh, you can see the plate. And uh, Pierce Brosnan, the uh, international actor, celebrity, is also an artist and a friend. I've been friends with his wife for 25 years, and Keeley was the first to actually introduce me to this whole pet overpopulation problem way back then. And so uh, Pierce was nice enough to do the artwork and donate it uh, to us uh, so that we can use it forever on the license plate. And it's their dog, Shiloh, and uh, their cat, Angel Baby. Aww. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're, they're ab- absolutely adorable. And I know I ordered mine way back when, and I'd love to have it on my car, so I hope... All you pet place listeners who are thinking about getting a, a special license plate for your vehicle, this is really the one to do because it's for a very good cause, and they're just spectacular plates. Right. Don't wait. So many people say, oh, I'm going to wait until you get to 7,500 or you get closer, and it's like, no, 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 we'll never get there if everybody <laughs> sits and waits. That's right. So so order yours, and let's give the websites one more time for where somebody can order. Okay, so you can go to... Uh, Let's see, what's going to be the easiest? How about um, caspayplate.com? Okay. Okay, so that ought to be easy because everybody who's listening is probably very pro spay and neuter. So CA for California, spayplate.com, and then also petloversplate.com works as well. Excellent. Yes. Judy, thanks so much for stopping by the Pet Place this morning. It's always great to talk with you. Thank you. Thank you so much, and thanks to all your listeners for the support. We need to take a quick break now, but when we return, author Wendy Warren will be stopping by to talk about her new book, Angel with a Tail. So don't go away, and we'll be right back with more Pet Place Radio here on AM 1260. We're back on the Pet Place Radio Show with author Wendy Warren. Welcome to the Pet Place, Wendy. Thank you. Well, you sent me some information about a new book that you've written called Angel with a Tail. What's your inspiration for the book? I lived with one of the most interesting characters 
that just happened to wear a German Shepherd suit <laughs> that I've never incur- encountered my entire life. Uh huh. And and what was your German Shepherd's name? His name was Saber. Ah. And and what was it about Saber that uh, got you interested in writing a story? Well, actually, a couple of things. Out of 40 years of having German Shepherds, this one was the most clever I'd ever encountered. Mm-hmm. In what way? Really, which was really surprising. What, what did Saber do that made you think he was more clever than your others? Well... When he came to me at nine months old, he didn't even know what toys were for. Aww. He'd apparently been ignored and expected to be an adult, even though he was a puppy. Mm-hmm. And together, we learned to play. Aww. First, he discovered squirrels. <laughs> now, they're not toys. <laughs> Well, when you're a German Shepherd and you just want to chase things, it's a great (laughs) And he figured he was far ahead of all those those greyhounds that just got to chase a mechanical rabbit because he had real fur. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, okay. And I understand that that something kind of sad happened with Saber. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yes. He developed a condition that's known as degenerative myelopathy, mm-hmm. or for the short name, we just call it DM. Okay. And, and and what did that mean in terms of his uh, standard of living and his general health? DM is a very insidious disease that creeps in by basically disabling the dog from the tail end up. The spinal cord starts to degenerate. They begin to stumble, lose mobility, and eventually it becomes fatal. Oh, that's so sad. Uh, How long, you know, once you have a diagnosis and if you're getting treatment, how long can you expect a good quality of life for your pet if if you have this kind of diagnosis? Actually, I kind of see that as two questions. Okay. Even though your dog is losing his independence, I think the quality of life, especially between the owner and the dog is increased tenfold. Mm. You know, most of the time we measure time by events Mm -hmm. or moments or days or years. But with DM, you measure time by moments, and those moments are very special. The bonding is so intense because you depend so much on each other. Sure, sure, I can imagine that. So this was quite an emotional experience for you, and and from that you created the book Angel with a Tail. Can you tell me a little bit about what's in the book? It's actually in three phases. Mm -hmm. It tells just a little bit about him when I first got him. 
and his new exploration of his new life. Then we had a totally hilarious existence together. Um, Say, Bruce had a mind of his own. Oh, I bet. (laughs) And one of the funniest things that he did, each time I would run into the store and leave him in the truck, I'd come back out and he'd be sitting in the driver's seat. Well, one day, after I'd gone into a stop and go, I came back out, and sure enough, he sat in the driver's seat. Well, Ready right to take the wheel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In the car next to us, there was a couple, and as they left, it just sort of went through my mind to play along. And so... I went around to the passenger seat that Bertie <laughs> dropped on and uh-huh. sat down as if he really was going to drive. Oh, that's funny. What did they do? Their mouths, their chins hit the floor. <laughs> and I was really glad for them that it was summertime mm-hmm. because if it had been winter and their faces had frozen like that, <laughs> they'd have had to wear those faces until July. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Now, how long was it before you realized that your little Betty had DM? It took a couple of months for me to realize that there was something wrong. So you only had him for a couple months before he started showing symptoms? Well, actually, I I had him for seven years. Oh, okay, okay. And then for a couple of months, things would happen that... I really couldn't explain. He would drag his back feet, and the tops of his nails would wear down. Mm -hmm. And that's when I became discerned and took him to my vet. Unfortunately, you cannot at this time diagnose DM. A true diagnosis is reached through necropsy. Oh, okay, okay. You don't know for sure mm-hmm. until after you lose them. Was it a, a, a difficult process to go through, or or would you have done anything differently? Tell me a little bit about, you know, as, as you were getting through this process with him. Well, first, I think with most people, you hope it isn't so. But the more that the signs come through, and really the craziest thing about the disease is it's not consistent. It doesn't follow a progression. Mm -hmm. Things can happen with some dogs that don't happen to others. Wow. And it seems to come and go. So it lulls you into a sense of false security. I see. Okay. But then it appears again. I think the saddest moment of all was one morning. You know, the dog always woke me up. His tail was like a metronome hitting against the armoire. <laughs> and if that didn't wake me up, he'd get up in my face and he'd breathe. Mm-hmm. If that didn't work, he'd slam his 50-foot paw, or 50-ton <laughs> paw, on the edge of the mattress, which would then reverberate 
and poof, I was away. I guess so. so. And all the time I had him, I never set my alarm clock. You had you had him. Why'd you need a alarm clock, Wendy? This sounds like a, a very touching story, and I know our our listeners should probably take a good read. Uh, we we can't even begin to touch on everything here in our our interview. But I want to thank you for being on the show today and sharing it with us. Well, the one thing that I would like to impart is that even though you live with grief on a daily basis. There is more joy Absolutely. in Absolutely. There definitely is. Wendy, I'm sorry, but we need to get to our break now. But thank you for being on the show. And listeners, don't go away because we'll be right back with Pet Place News and Events here on AM 1260. on the Pet Place Radio Show. I'm Marie Hewlett, and it's time for Pet Place News and Events. Well, if you tuned in last week, you heard all about the Fall 5000 Super Adoption Event that kicks off November 4th through 6th from 11 to 4 p.m. 20 animal shelters throughout Southern California will be participating, including Los Angeles Animal Services, Los Angeles County Animal Care and Control, Riverside County Department of Animal Services, San Bernardino City Animal Shelter, Camarillo Animal Shelter, Irvine Animal Care Center, and Orange County Animal Care. They're hoping to find homes for 5,000 animals during the month of November. To help make this happen, these participating shelters are featuring discounted adoption fees and giveaways to adopters, personal matchmakers, and professional behavior trainers. And to honor our nation's heroes, the Fall 5000 also launches the Pets to Patriots program, sponsored by the Jason Debus Heigl Foundation, which offers free adoptions for veterans throughout November at these participating shelters. It's a wonderful opportunity for pets and people alike. Well, that's all for me today. Remember, pets need love and a home, too. We'll be back next weekend with more of The Pet Place here on AM 1260. I'm Marie Hewitt. Please spay or neuter your pets and have a wonderful day. Thank you.